This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Post Game Podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golf from the hotel room. In West Des Moines, you know you don't pronounce yes. Uh, Tim Fitzgerald and Cole Carmody, because once again, um, I have failed in my attempt to get a hold of Brian Hanley. Poor Brian Hanley spends a lot of time standing by while I fight my equipment. we got to sort this out. But Cole's a good addition to the show. And plus, let me point out, because of another operator error, you will be getting a second post-game podcast. There you go. I would not inflict this upon you if Kansas State had not won last night 10 to 9 in a a really i don't even cole give me a word i don't even know how to describe this game at this point how about a rock fight i like it a rock fight of a game it was in so many ways unattractive unfun to watch but in other ways it was almost like a pitching battle yes you can look at it from the standpoint that nobody could hit the ball or appreciate that the pitching, in this case the defense, from both teams was pretty good. Particularly Iowa State. And I don't mean to slight Kansas State at all, but I think Kansas State has the much better offense than Iowa State. Iowa State hardly has any offense. So what they did to K-State offense was fairly impressive uh, in holding the Wildcats to one touchdown that honestly was kind of a a freak touchdown on the first K-State possession of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. And who would have thought that with 12 minutes left in the first quarter, we were done scoring touchdowns? But that's the way it goes. I think it's surprising, but on the same note, I mean, we knew that this Iowa State defense was going to be solid coming in. Uh, You kind of feel bad for Iowa State. They give up 24 points the last two weeks to KU and K-State combined. That's incredible. And walk away with no wins. Throw in the fact that they held Deuce Vaughn to 23 yards rushing. That's got to be a career low. I totally miss that. Wow. 23 yards rushing on 10 carries. Obviously, he comes out with the injury. But if you were to tell an Iowa State coach, hey, you held Deuce Vaughn to 23 yards rushing, he's probably going to think that Iowa State won this game by two touchdowns. That is an incredible stat. And really, they held, they held K-State to 131 yards, which I believe was a season low as well. So, um Their defense played really well. You brought up the pitching battle. It reminded me of the Guardians and Tampa Bay Rays. (laughs) We're watching. It goes into 15 innings, one to nothing. And it also reminds me of the Illinois and Iowa staying in the state. No. Nine to six, ten to nine. 
What where are these offenses in the state of Iowa? It's horrible. It's really bad. How about that stat though? Deuce Vaughn is held to twenty three total yards rushing on ten carries. His backup DJ Giddens comes in eight for thirty two. He had no loss yardage as he really made a impact on the game down the stretch, picking up first downs for the Wildcats to help them run out of the clock. Adrian Martinez was the top rusher at 19 carries for 77 yards. K-State ran for 131 and earned every single yard. Adrian Martinez's stats got a yardage correction last night with 246 yards passing on 12 completions, 12 of 19. Uh, But, of course, he had the freak play, the touchdown uh, to Phillip Brooks to start, and then the long pass and a similar kind of play to Malik Knowles in which he was scrambling around and found Malik down the field and then of course Malik fumbled at the one it turned into a touchback I don't want to hammer him too much I feel like I did that already I mean I think when you when you look at the resiliency of Malik to come back first of all that's something that we were talking about is he going to be focused is are they going to turn to him or are they going to shy away from him and if they shy away from him he probably um, he he doesn't make an impact in this game. He ends up uh, with over a hundred yards receiving, which I I think is the first time this year that's happened for him. I don't know if he's done that in his career before. He goes five for one hundred eight. Obviously, Philip Brooks catches the touchdown. He's four for one nineteen. I saw a stat the last time K State had two one hundred yard receivers, two thousand seventeen against Central Arkansas. Wow. Wow, that's a good stat. So that just tells you that K-State having two big-time days receiving the ball, or two big-time receivers having big-time receiving days doesn't happen that often. The fact that they only scored 10 points is surprising to me because it felt like they were having so many opportunities to score. You talk about the fumble, you add seven points, then there's the missed field goal, and you're looking at 20-9 to and 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 potentially more if K-State converts in the red zone. So I don't think the offense played that bad. I know that there's going to be some people that look at the final score and, and get a little worried about the offense, and that's understandable. But I, I think this is the, be- the best front seven K-State's defense is going to, or K-State's offense is going to face. Um, obviously, Baylor and Oklahoma State are very talented up front. But, I mean, this Iowa State front seven, Will McDonald was unblockable last night, and these guys are legit. They really are. That's an incredibly talented uh, and well-coached. I mean, the schemes they're putting out there are, are incredibly difficult to handle. And even though Kansas State runs that three-three-five now, it's a different variant on the back end, and they really struggle to find a running room. I felt like Deuce all game was one step away from something. He had three or four carries that they barely got him. <clears throat> but he never did get out of the house. Credit to Iowa State. And as I mentioned, folks, we are sponsored by Caddyshack Golfware. Caddy with two T's. Visit Caddyshack Golf for all of your officially licensed golfing, willy apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And it is still quarter zip season. It's the best time of year. It's also still golfing season. It's still golfing season. Go get your stuff. You don't have to be a golfer to love the stuff from Caddyshack Golf. Well, Kansas State's 5-1. and one. Now, as they get to the midseason point, Chris Kleiman mentioned that this is the latest he's ever had a off week. It is a, a late, but I like this. You know, Bill Snyder always liked the the break right in the middle of your season. And I think Chris Kleiman will too. Because now you've gone through six games. Your team is battered and beaten from going through six games. And to get an off week. And this team limps out of here absolutely torn to shreds 
That was a physical showdown with the Cyclones. By the way, K-State won 10-9. That's what I remind you. <laughs> um, and let's start listing the injuries. I mean, you start with Cleed Duke. We don't know the nature of it. We hope it's muscular. We seem to think maybe he pulled a hammy or something. Um, but, boy, that was early in the game. You saw other guys go down throughout the game. Deuce Vaughn didn't finish the game. Adrian Martinez hobbled into the postgame media room. Usually the type of hobbling that would prevent a player from showing that to the media coming in, but he came in and did his job as a quarterback and talked to us. I mean, Felix Sanyudike Uzama was down. Who am I missing? I'm missing someone. It's unbelievable how much, what a beating Kansas State took. You throw Nate Matlack into that mix yeah. as well, so we're recovering from that injury. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about every significant pass rusher short of maybe Eli Huggins was battered in that game. Who came way. out of the game against Texas Tech last week as well. So getting to the break here, it'll be interesting when we talk to Chris Kleiman on Tuesday to find out how he's treating this week. Because I bet you he's going to do something different than he planned. He's going to end up giving this team more therapy time and maybe almost – play like bull prep and take his scout mm-hmm. squad and work on K-State stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> to try to get them ready for uh, next year and really let his frontline guys rest. But, Cole, K-State is 5-1. and one. They're 3-0 and oh in the conference. Uh, they're the only 3-0 and oh team in the conference. There's a couple 2-0 and oh teams. In fact, Oklahoma State and TCU meet next week, so there will only be one when Kansas State returns to action in two weeks. If that's TCU, I mean, that that's where K-State heads in two weeks, and that would become a very significant win or, excuse me, significant game um, if K-State and TCU collide. But after that loss to Tulane, which, boy, they're going to regret. <laughs> but you sit here and wonder, would they be in this position if they hadn't lost that game, if they hadn't got a cold slap across the face that they weren't prepared they were prepared for last night. It was just incredibly tough sledding. This wasn't a game where they lacked emotion or focus. They had it. They just couldn't function against that Iowa State defense. They I, don't. They don't win against two. Uh, they don't win against Iowa State if they lose to Tulane. Let me say that first. Yeah, I I agree. I, I we thought in an optimistic world they would be five and one at this point. We just never imagined it'd be Tulane would be the loss. And as it turns out, as I've said, that's a good thing because now you're three and zero in the conference with. Two road wins. Let's not gloss over that. That's two really significant road wins. And even if you now understand that Oklahoma isn't your typical Oklahoma, you do wonder what K-State did to Oklahoma didn't lead to some of this. And they are in full free fall. I mean, that there's that program's collapsing. It's stunning. It's literally like the beautiful Titanic hitting an iceberg. <laughs> what just happened? If K-State doesn't beat Oklahoma, I would go out on a limb and say Oklahoma's at least 2-1 and one right. in conference play. So I do think the book is out on Oklahoma because of K-State. But you know what? When you win on the road, winning on the road yeah, in the man. Big 12 is tough. I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't believe there's any other team that's 2-0 and in, in conference play that— to conference road play so far this year. Even if you think that Oklahoma and Iowa State are the two worst teams in the Big 12, which I don't necessarily agree with you on, but even if you do think that, you still have to play who's on your schedule and you still have to win the games that are in front of you in case state's done that. And like I mentioned earlier, 
if they lose, if they don't lose to Tulane, they're not in this position. Mm-hmm. You know how many points K State scored against Tulane? Ten. They <laughs> lost seventeen to ten. That's one touchdown that they gave up against Tulane that they didn't give up against Iowa State. I can't help but think that there's some kind of correlation there, and and you're five and one at the halfway mark, and and the best way I look at it is you're literally halfway there. You've 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 sprinted to the finish line. Now you get to walk, you get to regroup before you get yourself back up and sprint back across, do one more lap. I, I think that this team has everything still in front of them, and, and these next two games suddenly are increasingly important on the road at TCU, coming back at home against Oklahoma State. If you can find a way to win both of those games, you're in the driver's seat. You are in more than the driver's yeah. seat. You're so, um, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. I, I'm I'm still not fully bought in on TCU. Next week's going to tell going to tell me a lot when they play Oklahoma State. But I mean, that how big is that matchup? Regardless of how TCU finishes on Saturday against Oklahoma State, K State going to Fort Worth. Hopefully, they get recovered and healthy. But yeah, the bye week could not come at a better time. So, what was Iowa State doing that was so frustrating for Kansas State? I I, I do think it was the the, the front seven. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, K State predicates itself on running the ball, and they really couldn't. I'm not sure that Deuce Vaughn was fully healthy coming into this game. And we talked to Colin Klein uh, on Thursday, and and our own Michael Goins asked him about, you know, have you ever thought about, you know, what, what, getting DJ Gins in? Is there any thought of trying to do 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 more of that? And Colin basically said no. He was like, eh, you know, Deuce is wearing pretty well, so not really. And, and I kind of questioned that, you know, thinking. But obviously they needed DJ Giddens. And uh, I felt like you mentioned Deuce Vaughn's one step away. Maybe that reason he never got that one step is because he's still not fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this is just a an accumulation of things. And that injury he suffered, we hopefully, we don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad. He came back into the game for a play or two, but... He's standing on the sidelines right by Brian Anderson the whole time. So, you know, um, I, I think that he was not fully healthy, and that maybe helped Iowa State. I, it did help Iowa State. They're just front seven was – they were fast, they were physical, and they were so gap sound. That's the mm, one thing I were. noticed. I mean, it was every time. They're making a tackle in space. The reason why we're sitting up there saying they're one broken tackle away is because K-State did a fairly decent job blocking – but when it came down to Deuce Vaughn versus a linebacker or Deuce Vaughn versus a safety, it felt like their guys continuously won that battle, which we haven't been accustomed to seeing. Well, when you run the ball with anyone other than the quarterback, you're outnumbered. And you rely on them missing assignments, missing tackles, and Iowa State didn't do that. Credit to Iowa State, but as we head into a break of this kind of brief postgame podcast, <clears throat> just to give you a little fix – uh, I throw this stat out there. We were looking for a stat related to Iowa State's record in night games in, in Ames. We couldn't find that stat. They're so tough in night games, and it was a great environment. Zach Carlson, who's down on the field shooting highlights for us, video highlights, uh, said it wasn't as loud as he heard other places, but the fans are incredibly engaged. They sometimes boo at weird times, like when players are obviously injured and they're booing them. Kind of distasteful. Um, and then, you know, they, they think everything's a pass interference. 
not much different than a lot of fans, but it just seemed a little, a little bit more obvious. It's a really tough place to play. And as I mentioned in my walk and talk last night, this is the first regular season game they've lost in the All Blacks. They had only lost the conference championship to Oklahoma. So there's something magical about those uniforms, at least in their mind. They have a, the absolute opposite effect of alternative <laughs> uniforms than what happens at K-State, <clears throat> literally. Um, but this stat tells you how difficult it is to win up here. Baylor won two weeks ago on that field. Then they go to Kansas and lose. So Iowa State loses to K-State. They're 0-3 in the conference, which is surprising in itself. It's the first time since 2015 that they've lost back-to-back home conference games. Wow. This team doesn't lose at home often, and when they do lose at home, you typically have to earn it. K-State earned every bit of that 10-9 to victory. They got just enough done. They overcame just enough of their own mistakes to find a way to win. It was defense. It was offense. It really wasn't special teams. For all we talked about coming into this game about Iowa State special teams, how bad they had been at Kansas, everything was fixed. And Michael Goins points this out. Those missed field goals the kicker suffered at Kansas are his only misses in his career. And two hit the upright. So he was on He was on with both of those. It was just the last one that was horrible. He was money. It was K-State that missed a key field goal in this game and found a way to win. You survive in advance in sports so often. Kansas State has done that with a 10-9 to victory at Iowa State on Saturday night up here in central, south central Iowa. You mean heaven. Heaven. I, I crossed a bridge. More on that. After this break on the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, Fitz and Cole Carmody. Did I actually introduce you at the top of the you show? Did. You okay. did. Okay. Here in a very, very nice hotel We'll be right back. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Cole Carmody here in Iowa before we depart on Sunday morning for Kansas in slightly warmer weather and prepare uh, for a day of NFL action, but not including my Chiefs. We're sponsored by... Caddyshack Golf, 4K Staters, by k Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories. Caddyshack Golfware, that's caddy with two T's. Visit caddyshackgolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Well, Cole, um, I, I really don't know what more details about this game we can talk about. I mean, this you play 60 minutes of football, and it's just a – Defensive struggle the entire game. Um, and Kansas State does find a way to win. But I, I do want to talk about how Kansas State flipped its defenses in the second half. It was something you picked up on in the first half, and I appreciate you doing that, that they were playing soft. They really were. And I think every fan saw it. They were letting Iowa State complete a lot of passes. And you couldn't figure out why they continued to do it. But you mentioned this the first half that, you bet they flipped the script in the second half and come out and show Hunter Deckers, the Iowa State sophomore quarterback, something entirely different, and they did. They went to more man. They covered up those underneaths for the most part, those routes that they loved to throw. Um, and they brought more pressure. I think I, the thing that maybe surprised Chris Kleiman the most about this game and in turn defense coordinator Joe Klanderman is they weren't able to get to Deckers with just the three- or four-man rush. They, they weren't, not consistently. Felix Andyudike Uzama, who does that on a regular basis, was able to get pressure at times. But this Iowa State line functioned at such a higher level than they did against Kansas in every way. They were bad against Kansas. And we joked about Matt Campbell, who's prone to saying kind of just over-the-top stuff. Like I mentioned this on my Sunday walk or Sunday daily delivery that – he called the play by the defensive back to poke the ball away from Malik, one of the greatest plays in Iowa State football history. I mean, come on, come on man. You lost the game. I know it was a great play. I'm not denying that, but come on. Yeah. Um, Matt Campbell last week said he thought his line was, was playing pretty well, and we flip on the film of the Kansas game. We're like, what were you watching? Yeah. These guys didn't block anyone. No. They were good. They really were. But in the second half, part of flipping that script was they started bringing more pressure. And Iowa State has a quarterback problem. Hunter Deckers has a game to him, but he has no pocket presence, and he absolutes, absolutely panics when he sees the wrong colored jersey in front of him. Aiden Martinez almost is too patient. He almost feels like he can take on everyone, and he did on that first touchdown. He, a tackler bounced off of him. I still don't know how he didn't go down. But Hunter Deckers, if if you're within five feet of him and with a path, he's throwing that ball hard and away. Um, I thought what Kansas State did on defense was really smart. I appreciate you picking up what they were doing because that's exactly what they did. They flipped the script at halftime, and Hunter Deckers was baffled. We, well, Joe Klanderman had mentioned earlier this week they want to flip. The, they want to flip the script, like you mentioned. They want to show him different pictures. They don't want to get him comfortable. I didn't think it would be that extreme. I mean, in that first half, K-State, they didn't play a ton of zone, but it was more of, we're going to play soft man. 
And it, even third and three, they paid for it a few times. It's third and three, and Kobe Savage and, and Julius Sprints and Echo Boyd, they're playing eight, nine yards off the ball. And credit to Iowa State for saying, okay, you know what? We've seen this before. K-State did that against Oklahoma. People forget on that fourth down uh, where K-State stopped Oklahoma in, in, in the fourth quarter, Dylan Gabriel tried to throw an out route to, to Drake Stoops, and it went right through his hands. But Kobe Savage was playing 10 yards off the ball. K-State's not. They, they do that. They, they're willing to give up those out routes, even on third and fourth down, if it means they don't give up big plays because it's kind of that bend-don't-break mentality. And K-State did that in the first half, and they were bending. They didn't break, but they were bending, as evidenced by the seven-minute, 16-play drive that they gave up and only held Iowa State to a field goal, which, I mean— Shoot. Is that the series of the game at this point? I mean, you can look at that and easily say Iowa State could have scored a touchdown, but they didn't. And and so in the second half, the thing I noticed was K-State saying, okay, you know what, we're going to switch it up. We're Not only are we going to bring more pressure, like you mentioned, but we're going to play press coverage. We're going to play man. And another thing they did, which I found fascinating, um, was they said, Julius Brents, we know that you typically only play one side, but now you are going to be on the short side of the field pressed up usually with Xavier Hutchison and you are going to make sure that you do not give up any downfield routes and Echo Boydo Josh Hayes guess what good thing you brought your running shoes because you are going to be playing on the on the wide side and when they run those drag routes like they like to run you're going to stay with them and run with those guys and those were pretty much neutralized in the second half I mean we knew that that was going to be Iowa State's go-to was those drag crossing routes and Echo Boydo 4-3 speed Josh Hayes probably close to that i mean they ran with those guys they neutralized those short crossing routes and to me that adjustment by joe Klinerman and chris Kleiman in the second half is the reason why k-state won this game because iowa state was doing a lot offensively they weren't scoring a lot of points but they were doing a lot chris Kleiman mentioned it after the game k-state was getting dominated they had to find a way to make sure and flip that they did and I thought the game plan on defense was the best it's been the whole year. Yeah, it was really good. And Kansas State, as everyone in the Big 12 will have, has a matchup issue with receiver Xavier Hutchison. There's a lot of great receivers in this conference, but he's easily the most prolific. They use him. They have to lean on him quite a bit because they are short on offensive weapons. I mean, we're talking about a running game that ran the ball 24 times for 78 yards. They just aren't effective at that running back position. Um, but Xavier Hutchison is an incredibly gifted receiver. He came into this game averaging 10 catches a game. Incredible. They held him to eight, and he was targeted 17 times. 17 of Hunter Deckard's passes were aimed at him. He threw 38 in the game. So, you know, roughly half, just a little bit under half. Here's the, here's the stats that just jump out at you. He had 100 yards in total yardage, 56 of it. More than half of it was after the catch. And the reason I mention all of this is he's their guy. When they need something, that's who they go to. And by God, they did it on the last possession of the game. They found him along the boundary, open, two feet in, ball hit him in the hands, and he dropped it, which he does not do so if you're k-state if you're a k-state fan you sit here and think about malik knowles penalties things that you did that led to being a closer game if you're an iowa state fan you're searching for a possibility of how and why 
Xavier Hutchinson dropped that ball along the sideline on a fourth down to give the ball back to K-State to run out the clock. It's the law of averages. <clears throat> because guess what? If you're a good team... They come out in your favor. They come out in your favor. And that's what happened with K-State. And how many times have we seen things like that go against K-State? I mean, that felt like that was a game where Iowa State was going to score a touchdown or kick a field goal. And it was going to come down to Adrian Martinez, who was, who was going to have to lead K-State down the field for either a win um, or they're going to lose. And ultimately, that didn't happen because the law of averages kicked in. And, and it just feels like that this team is is different. It feels like there's a little that there's a you know that there's something else waiting for this team at the end of the season. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a an epic collapse where K State loses six games in a row and misses a bowl game, like happened in 2020, or if this is a team that runs the table and makes it to the big 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 Twelve championship. It just feels like the the the, the story book is setting up. Um, when you have an ending like that, I mean. These guys are never going to forget this game. Nope. This is a game, it reminded me of Rocky when you got Apollo Creed and, and Sylvester Stallone and they knock each other out and have to, to use the ropes to climb up and somehow Rocky, K-State, is able to climb up before Apollo Creed and, and Iowa State. And I mean, that, that's what it felt like. It's cliche to say, but I mean, that drop ball was just a microcosm of Iowa State's season and K-State season as well because everything that's gone that's needed to go go right for K-State this year has and everything that could go wrong for Iowa State in the last few moments of the game has gone wrong for them as well. They could very easily and probably should be 2 and 1 in this league instead they're 0 and 3. K-State is 3 and 0 and what a tale of two seasons. Yeah, uh, absolutely incredible. Um, what the fine line can be between winning and losing. And so much of that doesn't happen on the field. It happens in the locker room. And Chris Kleiman mentioned that, that this team is determined. Um, they have a sense about themselves. And we've talked a lot about the locker room and how tightly bonded this team is. And we saw it again last night. But a guy I want to talk about uh, who's come in is the latest transfer portal success story, <clears throat> which they – they have a number of transfers on this team who are impactful. I'm a huge Kobe Savage fan, but he was kind of quiet in this game. Maybe they were avoiding him, but they sure did not avoid Josh Hayes, who is a North Dakota State guy who went to Virginia for a year, <clears throat> excuse me, and then came to K-State. You wonder if he regrets that Virginia stop. He comes into the post-game press conference last night dressed as – what, Mr. Freeze from the Atlanta Braves games? or <laughs> I called him Frozone from the Incredibles, right, too. Right, Frozone. He's in like a white hoodie. But I, it was, I don't even understand. It was funny and it, with sunglasses. I didn't know who it was. I had to go over to Kenny Lanou, sports information director, and go, who is that? And he goes, Josh Hayes. 11 tackles in the game. And I think eight of them might have been in the first quarter. They went after him. And he was so good. I mean, his tackling was so efficient in this game. But what stands out to me is the joy mm -hmm. with which he was speaking about this team and the game afterwards, how much fun he's having at Kansas State. And that's so true. Adrian Martinez expressed that how lucky he is to be part of this. There is something about this team you can't fully understand unless you're in our blessed position of being around these guys and getting to talk to them and talk to the coaches and you start to get this really 
I don't want the word's not wholesome. No word's not positive. It's just a vibe that you need to have to be a championship quality team. Unless you're just so incredibly talented that you can overcome that, which I think we've seen some teams do that. But this team is bonded in a way. Look, folks, I covered Bill Snyder for basically his entire career. And that was a big thing for him. But I've never covered a team quite like this. The bonding between everyone is incredible. They are so together. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And again, we go back to that two-lane loss. It makes you wonder if they just got together and said, we're either all going to go down together or we're all going to go up and we're going to win together. And they obviously made that decision. I, I was blown away. I mean, you just asked Josh Hayes. I asked Josh Hayes after the game, how much fun are you having? Mm-hmm. And he had this biggest oh, smile dude. on his face. He goes, man, I'm having so much fun. And it's like, that's all That's all you need to know. And then you look at a guy like Desmond Purnell, who we haven't even talked about, redshirt freshman, who basically didn't have any scholarship offers out of high school. He's played linebacker and running back at Topeka Hayden. He's a late ad. Redshirts last year. Makes a transition to linebacker. Plays 65 snaps coming in for Khalid Duke. Looks good. Same thing. I asked him. I said, Desmond, like, what, what, how, what are you even feeling like right now? And he goes, this is everything I could dream of when I was a little kid. I mean, these guys love playing football, and they love going to Kansas State. To me, that says all you need to know. It's not just the football team. It's everything else. The way this community has absorbed them, has taken them in. After the game last week, I was at Rally House with some of my friends. You run into Adrian Martinez. He's with his girlfriend. Oddly enough is when he goes and buys the Felix Anyudike Uzama t-shirt that he wears to the media uh, availability on Tuesday. And and all these grandmas, all of these older people are in there taking pictures with him. And, and I'm just minding my own business in there. And he comes up and he goes, hey, 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 what's up, man? And so he goes, I don't know if this would have happened three weeks ago. That's funny. <laughs> and you know what? It just tells you these guys love being a part of this football team. They're so together. They love Kansas State. And I think it's awesome because it's only going to help them succeed on the field. We saw vintage Chris Kleiman and how he handles his players, which is probably different than what K-State's experienced in the past. Malik Knowles with an incredibly boneheaded play. But he didn't punish him. He didn't chew him out. He didn't get on him for what was going on there he moved on he included him in the game plan he ran a trick play in which he got to throw a pass to adrian martinez after the game he credited iowa state's defensive player for making a great play that's kind of the way you have to handle malik and i I don't mean that as an insult but he can easily mentally check out and he ended up playing a role in k-state not losing the game even after that play but it you brought him up, and let's talk about him. We're at the midway point of this season. Adrian Martinez, I was told, was going to turn the ball over and choke. He's got zero turnovers. For a quarterback that has played every meaningful snap of the season, to be at the midway point of your season with no lost fumbles, he did fumble once, but they recovered it, correct, and no interceptions after his mode of operation being he's a turnover machine and he'll choke according to Nebraska fans. I 
for me, this isn't about K-State football. This is about a young man who is of high character, high quality, and even Missouri, uh, Missouri. Nebraska fans will admit that, that he is a great young man. But they still needed to blame him because it couldn't possibly be Nebraska football. I'm so happy for him. It's like a demon has been lifted off of him and that he got to experience something really positive about college football after four years of taking crap for busting his ass and being repeatedly injured. Um, I, I can't even emphasize how um, blessed we seemed. That, that's not the right word again. I That he would come in that banged up to talk to the media because he knows he's not talking to us. He's talking to you guys, the fans. Yep. That's, he, he gets that. He, I don't know if he'll have an NFL career, but he'll be behind a microphone. He's going to be probably in football. He's incredibly aware, intelligent, um, and uh, again, I just couldn't be happier for this kid. There's something poetic about K-State winning close games with Adrian Martinez under center when Adrian Martinez was under center and the only reason why Nebraska was in those close games. Mm-hmm. I think we now know. He was the reason they were in them. It was not the reason he they were not there. He was not the reason they were losing. He was the reason they were even involved in those close games. I, he he is an extraordinary, he's an extraordinary young man, and he talked about it. He said, "This is my fifth year playing college football." And he flat out said, "This is my fifth year playing college football. This is amazing." And the ride that he is having this year, he's thrown four intercept. He's thrown four touchdowns. No, no picks, but he's only thrown four touchdowns. Fitz, that is tied for 115th in all of college football. He's thrown for 900 yards. That's tied for 104th in all of college football. But he has a QBR of 75.5, which is good for 27th in all of college football. The best stat of all, zero interceptions. I'm no genius, but I know if you don't throw any interceptions, that's got to be number one. Yep. The reason why he's in, even in the Heisman conversation, which I think you could even make the argument after last night, it wasn't the greatest statistical performance, but he threw for almost two hundred fifty, threw for almost two hundred fifty yards for and a touchdown, and K State won. Almost ran for a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he's still in these Heisman conversations. Yep. I agree. I agree. There's one more really important topic we need to discuss before this wraps this up and hit the road for home. Uh, the bridge. Now, look, there's been a lot of discussion about <clears throat> the Iowa State $12 million bridge. They spent $12 million to build a pedestrian walkway from adjacent parking lots over a very busy road, which needed to be done in some form. And we've joked about it a lot because they're more proud of this bridge than I've ever, I mean, I, I don't, I, whatever. I'm going to say this. It is impressive. It's cool. It's impressive. But it it's almost like uh, we're going to build the world's longest pedestrian bridge. It's going to be so super. I mean, this bridge, before you get to the road, you've walked at least 100 yards on this bridge uphill. <clears throat> this bridge goes back so far. We when we Where we parked, we were closer to stairs to go up into the middle of the bridge than the ramp, the on-ramp that's way out there. And the stairs are like on the sidewalk, basically, <clears throat> for perspective. On the street, then there's the sidewalk, and then yeah. there's the stairs. So where you would normally start 
Right. A ramp. No, no, no. We're just going to extend it down. It's beautiful lit up. We have a picture of it. Zach Carlson with a fine photographic effort on my daily delivery from Sunday. That'll go up. I. It's a bridge. Um, they have t-shirts for the bridge, which I would like to make fun of, but I K-State went through the phase of making t-shirts for everything. If, it's, it's one of those things to where if they just wouldn't have said anything and, and they just start building it, people would be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. so awesome. But instead, they got to flaunt it. They got to say, oh, no, we're going to build it and it's going to be amazing. And you are going to, no, you are going to love it. Gonna you love are going to love it. You are going to love it no matter what. And that's the reason why people make fun of it. it. I didn't realize that the side of the stadium actually attaches to the stadium. So you're able to cross the bridge and go in a gate. And that's pretty cool, but wow. It's a bridge. In case they cross that bridge to 5-1 and one as they move into their off week, TCU and Oklahoma State await on the other side of an off week. But we're not, not taking an off week at Go Power Cap. Make sure you check out all of our coverage We'll keep it coming. we got some cool stuff planned for the off week. Um, also taking a little downtime, but all the podcasts will come. The daily deliveries will come. Everything we normally do, no walkthrough. There's, or we're going to do a walkthrough. I think that was the plan. I thought we were. Yeah, we're going to do a walkthrough, even though there's nothing to walk through. It's okay. We don't stop at Go Power Cat. Neither are these cats. 10-9 to 9, victory up here in Ames, Iowa on Saturday night. The cats survive in advance. We appreciate our friends at Caddyshack Golf for their ongoing support. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.